Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is happening? Jason Wright here, bringing you episode number 27 of the podcast. I've got another great guest with me this week, as usual. And before we get into the meat and the potatoes of the show, you get to hear random thoughts by me. So as a continuation of what I've kind of talked about in the beginning of the last two shows, this crazy trip from central Indiana to coastal Georgia, here's something to consider, right? So my main business is obviously a little bit different than yours digital marketing specific to real estate investors, specific to active campaign. So very, very niche. But when we were working on the Indiana house and as we moved down here and as we got settled and established here, you might imagine there's a lot of things with marketing that I couldn't do. This podcast, as an example, a lot of things I couldn't do. Couldn't send out emails to my list. Uh, We could get basic social posts out on social using a tool called Buffer. We can schedule some in advance. And a lot of our social strategy you have noticed is uplifting, motivational, positive affirmations. And there's some stuff mixed in about taking chances going for it as well. It's targeted at real estate investors. It's a little bit different than a lot of companies. So you're not seeing me create a ton of videos. You haven't lately at all. You're not seeing me create a lot of posts personally, et cetera, et cetera. So my point is, through all of this disruption, which was by our choice, a lot of my marketing, I couldn't do it. I'm human. I can't do everything. I can't be in multiple physical locations at once, blah, blah, blah. What did this do to business? Well, strangely, July was our second best month of all time. How? Marketing automation. Talk about this stuff all the time. Building a sales pipeline. Building a new investor pipeline is crucial to the survival of your company, right? I don't know how to say that any more clearly. And anything I say to you ever, podcast, video, face-to-face, email, text, it's all the same based on my actual experience. I've been doing what I'm doing almost eight years. A lot of bumps and bruises, a lot of failures along the way. But the the beauty for you is the listener, the watcher, this stuff's based on real experience, right? My experience. So having a sales pipeline in place, having marketing automation, nurturing folks through email, through two-way text, through some basic posts on social media that we schedule, through ringless voicemail has allowed me to look away from business for a little bit, rely heavily on my team, and not only maintain the business, but actually grow it. Do you see how important that is for what you're doing? These tools are universal for any business, especially a business like yours. So just something I want you to consider. You know, do we rely on the same things when I travel for pleasure or for work as well? Absolutely. Okay. You can't do it alone. If you're if you are the marketing machine for your business, it's just you. What happens if you go away? Now would my business suffer if I never came back? Yeah but it would hang on longer than you think. 
So anyway, something to think about. All right. Today we are talking to a great guest, as I've promised you. The guest this week is Brian Armstrong, a friend and client of mine. He is the founding and managing partner of a company called Progress Capital Group. He's focused on generating passive income for busy pros, um, which is a great niche, great niche to be in. His journey with real estate started in 2012. He's done flips. He's done single family investments, et cetera, since that time. And now, you know, working on the multifamily side for, for his own investors. By day, he is a 20-year licensed structural engineer as well. So very interesting dude. Now let's listen in to the conversation that we had together. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you on. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. Good deal, man. So share with me and everybody watching and listening your story, how you got started with real estate investing. Good question. So I think there's always been an interest in real estate rattling around in there, I guess is the way to say it. You know, when I was a kid coming out through school, always liked sort of the math and the physics side of, of classes. And I think that pushed me towards my engineering job. So I'm a structural engineer by trade Been doing that for years. I think deep down there was sort of an interest in buildings and real estate and structures, which that combined with the math and physics is how I ended up on the structural engineering side, not any other type of engineering. Yeah. And so I think, you know, looking back on it, you know, never knowing it at the time, but looking back on it, I think that's how it all came about is that it all sort of an interest in real estate underneath there. And yeah. Longer I've gone on with the engineering thing, you know, I've been doing that for a while. I think the interest in real estate has continued to blossom and, and really turned in more to the investment side, you know, owning properties, improving properties, seeing the benefits of multifamily, you know, just all that kind of stuff blossomed as time went on, more exposure to it, all that sort of thing. So, very nice. My son has the same interest as you. I mean, he's got a, a 3D printer and we have a Glowforge and this guy is making stuff all the time. And I'm like, how in the hell did you figure that out? You know? And he'll be like, I just took the measurements. I'm like, it's all curved. Like what, what measurements? Like, what do you, like my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. And he loves it. He, and I was talking to him yesterday about like investing and he doesn't have an interest now, but you know, someday I think he probably will because I think he's not going to love working for other people at all. <laughs> But, you know, he's one of these guys that's got to figure out his own path. But uh, he's he's got the mind like you, and he loves the physics and the math and kind of the, the chemistry and experiencing, you know, how things work. So I can't tell you how many things of mine he's taken apart, see how they work, and then he never puts them back together. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, there's, there's always some work missing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So what asset classes and or markets do you typically focus on and why? Yeah, so I'm interested in multifamily apartments. You know, sort of that class B range, or, or you know, a, a class C plus property, let's say, in, in sort of an improving B neighborhood. Yep. I like it just because it's fairly solid. It's fairly predictable. You know, in, in the proper markets, there's going to be a demand for it. Everybody needs a place to live. Everybody needs a place that is reasonably affordable for themselves. And I'm not talking just, you know, affordable housing. I'm just saying that people need a place they can budget and, and afford. So yeah, it just, it makes sense. It's been a successful investment class for generations. Yeah. You know, 
and it, it'll keep being so. You know, there's a pretty significant shortage of housing in many markets in this country. So there's always going to be a demand for a good apartment. As far as what markets to look in, you know, the stuff that I'm focusing in on these days, I like Kansas City. Kansas City's a fantastic market in the Midwest. They're growing. There's industry coming there. I mean, it's yeah, it's right in the middle of the country. So the location is fantastic for transportation and all sorts of stuff. I like a couple of markets in Texas still. I'm a big fan of San Antonio. Yeah. I think that Dallas and Houston and Austin have grown so much. And I think there's still some room to grow in those, especially Dallas, which I like Dallas as well. But I think that San Antonio has a lot of room for growth relative to those other three markets. Yeah. And then I'm actually a big fan of the Carolinas as well. Just, you know, not the entirety of both states, but there are a lot of markets within both states that do make a ton of sense. There's a lot of people moving to the Carolinas. You know, there's a lot of industry coming there. Uh, you know, a lot of tech, a lot of biotech moving to North Carolina. People moving there because of jobs means more people, more demand for housing. All those things that drive traffic to multifamily apartments and, you know, keep the demand up and, and keep rents increasing. Those are always the things I'm looking for. I think those are the markets that I like the most right now. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I obviously like, I asked this question and, and talked to people who were potential clients and people on the podcast and just friends. I talk about this all the time. And it's funny because like, I'll, I'll see like a little bit of shift in the trend. And, you know, you always hear like Texas and like Phoenix are real popular, but the Carolinas in the Midwest has been coming up a lot in conversation. I'm in the Indianapolis area and I've talked to three or four people in the last week that are like focused heavy on the Indy, which is kind of interesting. But no, that Kansas City market, I've been to Kansas City, it is right in the middle of the country. Everything you said makes total sense. So super interesting stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Now, go ahead. No, as you said, it's important to find the right markets. And I, yeah, and, and to be able to shift your focus if things change. But I think, you know, those are kind of the markets that make the most sense for me right now. And multifamily really is like the foundation of all real estate investing. It's never going to go away. The one deal that my wife and I are in right now is is multifamily, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 121 doors, and so far so good. So, yeah, it makes total sense, man. When I started looking at it and wrapping my mind around the logic, I was like, yeah, totally. Everything you say totally makes sense. So it's good, good stuff, man. Yeah. What simple marketing strategies have kind of allowed you? You know, what initially worked for you as far as getting investors to invest with you? What's what's worked and helped you out so far? You know, a big focus of mine so far has been just to share information on LinkedIn, just about my thoughts on real estate, real estate investing, different markets that make sense. Yeah, And my whole thing, I'm, I'm not trying to be one of those folks who's telling you to like, you know, sell everything you own and just dump it all into real estate. <laughs> those guys are out there, aren't they? <laughs> I don't think that's the right strategy. Um, yeah. I, my whole take is that, look, keep your stock investments, keep your 401k, keep that kind of stuff going. But maybe instead of just relying solely on those items, you know, maybe consider real estate as an alternative to help to offer some diversity. You know, it's just don't plug 100% of your retirement into the 401k. I mean, we all saw what happened in the market over the last 18 months. It's, it's yeah. down, it's up, it's down, it's up. Like, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, so maybe keep some of that, but, but put part of it in real estate. 
as an alternative asset class that, that behaves differently than the market. Um, so just trying to share information like that, you know, reaching out to people who ask questions, uh, encouraging people to ask questions. So yeah, that's kind of been my main focus. LinkedIn is solid and you have a, you know, definitely a more conservative approach, which is smart because I mean, diversification is the key. You know, I still have a Roth IRA. I've got the solo 401k, which I use to invest in real estate. Got a little physical silver, got some crypto, got a little bit of liquid cash as well. And it's like you said, when one thing like crypto, you want to talk about volatile, you put everything, there was people that were like getting mortgages out of their home and I'm like, man, when it's going great, when the market's bull in crypto, it's the most exciting thing in the world. But when it's not, oh boy, there's some people that are, you know, ruining marriages and everything else over it. So yeah, I think diversification is a key and your posts on LinkedIn are great. I see them a lot in my feed and they're really well put together. And there's like somebody out there for everybody. Your style is different than my style, different than the guy that's like, hey, you know, do a cash out refi, take all the equity out of your house, sell your cars, put everything to real estate. There's some people that are into that. It's just not your style and not my style. So I like it. So what would you say the biggest mistake is, the biggest regret you've had in regards to your marketing so far? Hmm. Just in regards to the marketing, I would say, you know, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm an engineer by trade. And so I am not a natural marketer. Yeah. It is not something that comes easy for me per se, which is ironic given my dad actually was in marketing for tech companies for a long time. But I think for me, it's just sort of, you know, embracing my voice and my thoughts and sharing them with the world, honestly. Yeah. I think that, like you said, there's, there's something that kind of appeals to everybody out there and I'm not going to appeal to everybody and that that's okay. I won't either. Yeah. And, and, but I think that being able to get over that hurdle and find the comfort level with sharing information that I think is relevant and that I think is important and makes sense. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest struggle I've had with the marketing and, you know, being an engineer, I always want to be right and I always want to make it perfect kind of thing it's got that's a big problem sometimes yeah. and it's like it doesn't have to be it just has to be information that people can take in and process and do what they will with it you know what i mean and it's just getting through that hurdle was, was challenging and i still struggle with it at times and probably will for for the foreseeable future but uh you know it the comfort level is much more there now than it was before. And I think that, that it, it gets easier as time goes on. Yeah, that all totally makes sense. So there was a, I think it was a course that I put together a couple years ago. And I just assumed people wanted this. I didn't ask anybody to assume. And I literally spent like six to nine months building this thing out, making every detail perfect. I was telling my wife, watch this. I launched this thing, made a bunch of noise. Nobody bought nobody bought. And I was like, no, I'll do it again. Made more noise, follow-ups, nothing, no interest at all. So I reached out to some people that were entrepreneurial friends and I got like, got their feedback and I'm like, no, it's a, it's a good offer, but there's nothing about that offer that anybody has to have. And I was like, that's weird. So then I was, man, I wasted so much time with this thing and I failed a whole bunch of businesses and marketing things. But from that point forward, I was from now on, we're rolling with good enough. It's going to be good enough to get out there. We're not building any new offers unless we pre-sell them. So I have a course I'm finishing up now 
I've been selling this thing since December and it'll be done this week. People have been buying and I've been telling them in a video, like, here's what you're going to buy, but it doesn't exist yet. So yeah. buy this knowing your price is better, but it doesn't exist yet. And it should about the first quarter and here we are in May, but it'll be worth the wait. But is it perfect? It's not perfect. It's going to be good. And as I get feedback, I can go in and make it better and better. And that's kind of our process, but out there is more valuable than perfect and not out there. So I talk to people just randomly a lot that want to start podcasts and they're like, I've been putting it off for two years, just record and start publishing shit. It'll, you'll find your voice and people will find you and it's a whole process. But the idea of perfect is, uh, I mean, the, the questions I'm asking you, I type these up before my first episode in about 10 minutes and it gives me a general framework to work with and I can kind of ebb and flow with it. And I've been using it for 22 episodes. It's working just fine. So after a while, I may tweak some stuff, but just throw it out there, see what happens. Get started on, on something that works and just as you go. And you, I think you have to sort of admit that, you know, the first podcast is probably not going to be the best one ever. No, not even close. You know, you look back at, look at back at the most successful podcasts on any topic, real estate or otherwise. I promise you those first few podcasts from whomever those popular podcasters are. are yeah. Not yeah. No, the uh, the last podcast I had was called Intentionally Inspirational. My first episode, I remember this, this was five, six years ago. It was about 11 minutes long and I literally was, hi, I'm Jason. I have no idea who I'm talking about. I don't know what this show's going to be. I was completely lost testing out the mic and, you know, it grew and grew from there. And I eventually I decided to shut that show down. It was just too broad, but I believe about 200 episodes. But yeah, that first podcast, it was just a documented admission of, I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> kind of funny. All right. So here's a little bit of a curveball. Uh, do you have a story that you can share about your real estate investing journey that you haven't shared publicly? It can be anything you want. I'll tell you, most guests think of something that's like a funny story. Sometimes it's about tenants, uh, just anything that just pops out in your mind. It's, it's open, uh, bear game. Good question. That's an interesting one. I was invested in a, a deal as an LP, actually back before the real estate crash. So it, I invested in the deal in like 2004 or 2005, something like that. It, nobody saw the crash coming at that point. And, uh, you know, it was a value add deal. So it was a renovations, increase rents, turn it around, sell it in five years or something like that. Well, the five year mark hit right in the middle of 2009, 2010. You know, so there was no selling it in five years. Yeah. And essentially it was a, a deal where all the upside was based on selling it at the end. They, they were just taking all the cash flow and sort of reinvesting it into the property. Yeah. Anyway, the, I guess the, maybe the funny part of it, not, not so funny, maybe I don't know. Right before the property was about to sell, one of the tenants allegedly had a slip and fall accident on I don't know, one of the landings or stairs in the property. And so, you know, the, the whole team that was running the project basically had to like put the brakes on selling it for a bit and deal with uh, sorting out the, the legal challenges that came with this person who happened to just, you know, magically slip and fall right before it was going to be sold. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, she was asking for, you know, a ton of money. And then at some point, you know, they're, must have been some realization that that wasn't going to be a reality. And so it, it became a very reduced amount of settlement just to kind of close the whole thing out. 
Yeah. But it was just one of those things that like the deal ended up going like 10 years. Oh, jeez. Because that was just the time that it took for the whole thing to kind of, for the market to kind of recover whatnot. Now, that said, you know, we still basically more than doubled our money. Nice. Uh, it just took longer than you thought. It's a real thing, yeah. which is, you know, the power of real estate. So, yeah. you know, if you play the long game, and sometimes it's longer than you think, yeah. it'll still work out in the end if you're doing it right and you're working hard to make it happen. But yeah, as we were all so, so ready to sell and so close to the end, and then, maybe, <laughs> oh, then we'll put the brakes on that for a little bit. Absolutely. I don't know, just unexpected things. You just never know what you're going to get sometimes. Oh, man, I totally understand. All right, so let's say you had a conversation with another capital raiser just getting started, like me. What piece of marketing advice would you give them? What would you say is just like, hey, start here, follow this path, and, and see what works for you? What would you say? I would say just keep your message going of what you think is important and be patient. Yep. It's not going to happen overnight, yep. and you don't get anywhere by starting and then quitting. So it's a matter of being patient and keeping up with the messaging and the traction will come. You, you stay consistent. Yep. That's great advice. I was telling my wife, ironically, this morning, right before this podcast, I was down in the kitchen talking to her and I said, Hey, uh, you remember so-and-so? And she's like, yeah, I know the name. I said, well, we were, I think in the click funnels community, we met online years ago. We were both kind of, we were doing the same type of thing. I said, our business has really grown and he's still at the same place he was like five years ago. He's like, why is that? I said, literally every week he's doing something new. No consistency at all. You're creating apps this week and next week you're all about AI. And it's like the guy's just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And yeah, I think people have this idea that when they hear marketing, they're like, oh, I'm going to flip a switch and my life's going to change overnight. I didn't see any results for my email list this business for for years i did nothing happen for years and i was building a list of the wrong people and i was doing it the wrong way and then once i just did what you said i was like this is who i am let's see what happens one day it worked and then it worked some more and it worked some more and uh, it definitely doesn't happen overnight but no that's great advice all right so we are recording in may of 2023 as you look forward to the end of this year what are you most focused on in your business between now and the end of the year I think it's really just kind of continuing to get my message out and continuing to draw in more people, subscribe to the newsletter, listen to the content that I have to share, help educate more people on the benefits of real estate and why it makes sense mm -hmm. as an investment option, in addition to or as an alternative to stocks, whichever you prefer. Uh, okay. I, I'm pushing in addition to, but you know that's kind of my my goal for the rest of the year, it's just to kind of help reach out to many people as I can connect with who are interested in listening to what I have to say. I think it's really smart. And I think that angle is going to be a, a lower mental barrier of entry for a lot of investors. You know what I mean? We're like, okay, I like the, what this guy's saying. It's diversified, not, you know, make a drastic move. So um, I like it. Yeah. For anybody watching or listening, how can they connect with you or learn more about what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So LinkedIn's a great way to keep in touch with me. I'm pretty active. Try to post every day and interact with everybody's stuff that comes in my way. My LinkedIn name is Brian Armstrong, comma, SE or structural engineer. There's a lot of Brian Armstrongs on LinkedIn. So you gotta make sure you got the right one. 
I think I'm the only Brian Armstrong SE on there. Anyway, yeah, so that that's a great way. I also have an ebook on my website if people want to check that out. It's it touches on a lot of stuff that we talked about today in a bit more detail. That's uh, progresscapitalgroup.com slash seven reasons. I go through my seven reasons plus a bonus on why I think real estate investing makes sense in addition to stocks. So I kind of outline in more detail all the benefits that I see of real estate and how to get involved in an investment, how it's really not that much more difficult to get into an investment in real estate than it is to get into an investment in stocks. Yeah, it's obviously understanding the metrics and, you know, understanding some paperwork and signing some paperwork, but, you know, it's not a whole lot more complicated than that. And yeah, that, those are kind of the two main ways and folks can reach out as their direct message on LinkedIn. They can email me, brian at progresscapitalgroup.com and I'll be happy to answer any questions anybody has. All right, man, sounds great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you having me. That's always fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, Our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.